So I tell our students all the time that um, if you don't like worship, you're going to hate heaven, right? Because that's, it's just constant worship in heaven. And rightly so, it should be. By the way, again, my name is Brian. I'm student pastor here at uh, the fellowship. And uh, where I noticed my worship was out of order a little bit is, um, and as you guys know, because I constantly remind you, I'm from Alabama, um, and you guys constantly remind me uh, because of my grammar that I'm from Alabama. So, um, but I'm working on my grammar. I saw where my grammar was falling short. You see what I did there? I usually say, I don't, what, are you clapping? You're horrible. Um, so I saw where I was falling short, and, and I was going to fix some more parts of my grammar, but I had done, did that, and I just gave up on it. So, um, but I was at an Alabama football game, and I found myself, because it was a close game, right, um, against the other school in Alabama. Um, forget its name. Auburn. Um, easy to forget. Sorry, Jordan. I know you're in the back. Uh, I was cheering for people I didn't even know, like loud. Like you've been to a Titans game or a Predators game or, or, or your kids' baseball game. Um, and you know the passion that we have. So I'm sitting there and I'm cheering like so loud my voice gives out. And it's like, God, just in that moment, I just, I realize, gosh, I'm cheering for people I don't even know. But when I come in here, a lot of times I worship like, you know, I don't understand what God has done for me and what God is doing for me. He is a good God. We've seen that this morning. But this is not a, God's like not part-time. You guys realize he does things like this all the time around the world. And I love the song we just sing. You stepped into my Egypt. You took me by the hand. You marched me out in freedom into the promised land. And I'm asking you this morning, what is your Egypt? What is it that's holding you captive? What is it that you are going through that's not allowing you to walk in complete freedom? And I don't know what it could be. It could be an addiction. It could be anger. It could be jealousy. It could be bitterness. It could be marriage issues, friend issues, family issues. The list goes on and on and on. And a lot of times, if we're honest, and I'm being honest with you, the last place that I look when I'm trying to fix the mess that I'm in or uh, the opposition that is coming against me, I constantly try to rely on uh, my sense, which... That's a losing battle a lot of times, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, there's God. There's Jehovah Nisi. And what Jehovah Nisi means is the Lord is our banner. Let me read to you where this is mentioned in Exodus 17, 8 through 14. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. The same staff that he threw down. It used to be the staff of Moses. He threw down. He picked it back up. Now it's the staff of God. And we've seen it turn. Uh, he hit a rock. Water come out. We've seen him part the Red Sea. So this is God. So he went up on top of the hill and he was just holding this up, both hands. And he had the staff held up too. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. So when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hand up, one on one side, one on the other. 
so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites' army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. That's why I love the Old Testament students, because we see what God has done. He's still doing. Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner, which is Jehovah Nisi. And he said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Goodness, we can't thank you enough for allowing us to be a small part of what you did in every single student this morning who proclaimed that they are a child of yours. You set them free. You brought them out of their Egypt. And leading them into the promised land. And along that journey, Father, I pray that they make an impact wherever they are. In their home, in their school, at their job. It doesn't matter. I pray they make you famous every second that they get. As a church, Lord, I pray that we commit to praying for them and all the students. And and the journey that they're on. Because we know they face a lot of things, Lord. Speak to us this morning through your word, Lord. Not of me, but of you. Hide me behind the cross, for it's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So here, here we are. Exodus 17, 8 through 14 describes the very first battle that the Israelites had to fight since they left Egypt. And they crossed the Red Sea. So Israel was now traveling in this desert in a place called Rephidim, which means rest. And a group of people known as the Amalekites attacked them. And the Amalekites were named after their king, Amalek, and as you may recall, Jacob uh, had tricked Esau out of his birthright. Amalek was a descendant of Esau. And even though Esau and Jacob later reconciled, the bitterness and resentment were still there. It's kind of like, man, I I remember, I remember a student. This was crazy because I have been in student ministry for over 20 years. So there's been some crazy stories. Um, And most of them uh, come from the, no offense, some of them come from from the parents. And like this... (laughs) Not all, not you guys. Um, Not today. So, um, I'm just kidding. This mother, uh, I don't know, like, I had done something, and this happens all the time in the church. People are mad at us, but we don't know that they're mad at us. You ever been in that situation? Like, people just walk by and don't talk to you, right? And And then, like, a year and a half later, and they're like, oh, they were mad at you. Well, why didn't they bother telling me? Well, because they were mad at you. That's stupid. It makes no sense. So what happens is bitterness and rage and all these things build up inside of us. And you know those people? Oh, my goodness. Everybody knows. There are people, like, when they do eventually tell you, I'm mad at you. You hurt me. And you say, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And they're like, well. And it just starts over again, right? So you find yourself apologizing a hundred times because they can't accept forgiveness or forgiving you for what, and it's like this constant thing, and you're exhausted with it. And Esau and Jacob, they reconciled, but the bitterness, the resentment, it was still there. Only God can fix things like that. So while Joshua is leading this battle on the ground, Moses, Aaron, and Hur watch the battle from top of a hill, but they're doing much more than just watching, right? They're rallying the troops, and as long as Moses held up his hand, which he had the staff in, in verse 11, it says the Israelites were winning, but whenever Moses lowered his hands, 
the Amalekites started winning the battle. And when the Israelite soldiers saw the staff, they knew that God was with them. And the visual symbol was a reminder that God would give them strength to fight and win the day. When they seen it, it hit them. Red Sea, water, manna. God has constantly brought us. He brought us out of slavery. He brought us out of wickedness. Now we're walking, but he's providing everything that we need along this journey. Of course, as you know, as good church people, they were complaining, right? And, and I know that's new to us in church. Um, we're like, complaining? What is that? Um, I just did that this morning. So I know sometimes... This is the battle that we face, and we're going to hear a lot of different things here of kind of comes alongside of what the Israelites were walking through, but it's our battle, and we're fighting a different fight. When we sing that symbol, and our symbol is Jesus, it gives us strength to fight. It gives us strength to have victory. And as long as Moses' hands were raised in a posture of praise and adoration, the Israeli, the Israeli troops could trust God was with them every step of the way. Because the staff symbolized how God had come through for them before and how he is coming through for them now in this situation. He would do so, and he is still doing so. And it's the same message that Paul gives us in Colossians 3.1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Students, since you then have been raised with Christ. You know, want to know what that means. It's like, you went under, Right? When you raise it up, you are raised with Christ. If you're a believer, the cross means something to you. It is a symbol of hope, and it's something that we can't forget. And for goodness sakes, man, I heard the, this is, oh, I heard the craziest. Uh, we have an intern named Katie. She's not crazy. The story she told me is crazy. Well, she's a little crazy, too. But here's the thing. She was telling me, like, we were at camp the first night, and it was so loud, like, you couldn't hear, and it was the bass, like, boom, 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 and I'm like, I don't know if it's supposed to be like that because we couldn't hear the words of the song. So Katie told me, she's like, you know why people do that, right? And I'm like, because they don't know how to play bass? That was my logical uh, thing, but I don't think that was it. Um, She told me, she's like, well, to get students excited, like they'll play this bass really loud so it vibrates their feet and gets them excited. That's stupid. Listen to me, but we're doing it all the time. We're doing it in churches all the time. We come up with these things, these gimmicks, these ideas to get people excited about Jesus. And I'm like, for goodness sakes, is the cross not enough? Think about it. You're looking for a motivation to worship the cross. That's it. And you're walking through a valley, you're still able to worship. Why? Because the cross, because Jesus is not afraid of your mess and my mess. So we can still worship because grace is being extended to us. And we come, the cool thing about camp is a lot of these students who gave their heart to Christ, and not all of them were at camp. Students were being saved at life group. Students were being saved before the message was even preached. Students were being saved before the services even. So it was a beautiful thing to see. It was just God being God. Wouldn't me, wouldn't the band, wouldn't the speaker. It's not this building. It's just God being God, and God showed up, and we don't need any explanation for that, you know, because people try to search for an explanation. Well, was they, was they excited? Did they do it because of this? Did they do it because of this? And I'm like, man, just let God be God. He did what he did, and he's going to do what he's going to, you know why? He's bigger than us, smarter than us. He is our creator, 
Instead of trying to figure out what all kind of reasons of why this happened or why that just stop and celebrate the fact that God rescued people that needed rescued. He gave them hope. And that's why Paul said, since then we have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So why do we need Jehovah Nisi? Why do we need it? Because we are still in battles today. Spiritual warfare, church, you know is a reality. And this is a battle that takes place within. And our enemy attacks us when we're at our weakest point. And the forces are unseen, but church, they are very real. And as long as we're in this world and in this body, there's going to be warfare. I mean, that's what Jesus said in John 16, We're constantly going to face trouble. That's why he said, but don't lose heart, right? Because I have overcome the world. The cross, the cross is enough. That is our banner. The problem with us, church, is normally we are fighting the wrong fight. And through this passage, I'm going to point out three things. One, you have to know who you're fighting. Man, you know what? It's no secret. I hate cats. I think Marty Walter said it best. For, for you that love cats, don't be mad at me. If your cat was big enough, it would eat you. Okay? You realize that. <laughs> Do you realize that? So I, I, I don't like cats, but the students at camp had, had this shirt made that said, uh, Mr. Brian loves cats. And they were passing around during the Santa game because everybody wanted that shirt. And Cody Shepard ended up. And there's a big picture of Cody smiling. And, it, like, and it says that on there. It's like, that's horrible. But listen, when I, was, when I was a teenager, 16 years old, I was such a good kid. Um, I snuck into my house late, right? I, I broke curfew. And I was living with my aunt and uncle. And I was new at this because me and my grandmother moved in with my aunt and uncle. And they had this cat. Oh, my. It was the most evil form of an animal that you could ever meet. He would get on top of the refrigerator, right? He'd get on top of the refrigerator and he would jump onto your head. <laughs> that's a true story. He would jump on your head and he would do what, you know, the cat and, and all that because they can't just jump on the head silent, right? They all had to make this noise behind it. So this cat jumped. So here's what happens. I'm setting it up here. You got to know who you're fighting, right? So I'm walking in the house, breaking curfew. I gently close the door. It's pitch black dark, man. I'm sneaking through the house, and I'm like, victory. All of a sudden, I walk by this refrigerator, and this stupid devil-possessed cat jumps down onto my head and starts... And I just... I broke curfew. I didn't want the cat to get the victory, right? So I just yelled it out so the house, I broke curfew, punish me, grounded. And I looked at the cat like the cat understood me. I was like, you're stupid. And you're not winning this one. And the cat just looked at me and was like, he was probably saying, if I was big enough, man. If I was big enough. You got to know who you're fighting. In verse 8, it tells us that. And the Israelites' enemy here and for a long time were the Amalekites. And our enemy that we face on a daily basis is just a little different. Paul outlines this for us in Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Listen to me, church. The reason as a student pastor... 
For four years I have been here, and I'm constantly saying, pray for our students. And if you're a parent, you know this. And if you don't know this, they are in constant attack. The ads on TV, what they hear on the radio, what they hear in the world, all of it is trying to get them to drift away from what they're learning about God into what culture says. And culture says, just do whatever makes you feel good. Just follow your heart. The Bible tells us differently. And when they, man, were confessing some things at camp and still going through it, man, some of the things were heartbreaking because it's like, man, and if you think, well, my student's not under constant attack because we have our student locked down, right? That's what I hear sometimes. Like, we are protected against everything. And you think the enemy just goes away because we don't let our kids go to maybe McDonald's? I don't know what our... Dude, the enemy, because our kids don't have social media, the enemy, he is clever and always constantly is in attack mode. That's who we're fighting against. We allow bitterness and anger and everything else direct our paths because we're fighting that battle, a battle that we should never be in. And so we simply allow the enemy to have a seat at our table. I'm reading a book called Don't Let the Enemy Have a Seat at Your Table, and I'm loving it. And so we take our eyes off our banner, our victory, which is Jehovah Nissi, and we start fighting battles we have no business fighting. Jehovah Nissi is also, it comes from Psalm 23.5, says, you prepare a table before me. You prepare a table. God prepares a table for us in the presence of my enemies. I don't know what your enemy is. Now, here's the thing we have to stop doing. Now, this message is being preached, and you... Look, if you were in here this morning and you were saying in your mind right now, man, I wish my Aunt Betty was here. If anybody needs to hear this, she, you need to hear it. I needed to hear it. That's what the messages are for. God preaches to me, and for goodness sakes, he wore me out with it. And then God says, like, okay, now I want you to present this to the people. It's not about your Aunt Betty or your Uncle Joe or, or any of those people. It is about you. What battle are you facing? What is the enemy? God has prepared a table in the presence of your enemies. Anxiety, depression, troubles. And you're probably thinking, man, the neighbor across the street, that's my enemy. That's who I want, God. He's my banner. That's not how it works. You just can't go home and say, hey, you know Chad across the street? Sorry, Chad, you're the first one I've seen, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know Chad across the street? He's horrible. I don't know what your beef is. He puts rice in the garbage and it leaks all over the street. I know we come up with the craziest things, right? We're like, the Lord is my banner. <laughs> Strike him dead, God. That's not how it works. God has to work through our life in the example that we have, that we have been rescued and we have a hope in the presence of any enemy we have. But the problem is the devil is circling the same table that God has prepared for you, right? This is Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is our banner, our victory. That's the problem is the enemy is circling the table and he wants to sit with us. Here's some examples of how the enemy is probably sitting with you at the table because you're sitting there, you're doing your devotion, right? This happens all the time. You're doing your devotion at this table and you're talking to God, right? And all of a sudden you hear, Psst. you turn. And the enemy's like, oh, that's good. And 
all that, but do you remember so-and-so? You remember what they did? What about your husband? You know all those murder shows you watch? How to get away with it? <laughs> yeah, you can clap to that because my wife watches them too. I'm just counting down. God, how long do I have? You know? She's talking in her sleep about bury him in the backyard. And I'm like, oh. We sit here now, instead of having this conversation with God, we turn our attention to the enemy who is just telling us things like, you're never going to make it. And I don't know what valley you are in, church. I don't know what your Egypt is. But the enemy is saying... You're not going to make it. And since the enemy is constantly trying to get us to trip up and stop following Jesus, he will try to convince us there's no point in continuing. But while the devil is telling you that you're not going to make it through the valley, the shepherd is telling you that he is with you in the valley. And look at the scripture. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He'll tell you things like, you're not good enough. Church, listen, if you really weren't good enough, the good shepherd would have never left his throne in heaven to sit with you at your table. Many of you will say, everyone's against you. This can be anyone from your co-workers to your family members to your fellow churchgoers. And when we listen to this lie in particular, it makes us walk through life with clenched fists. We shift into this uber defensive posture in life and we start thinking things that aren't true about people. We start projecting on the people the rejection that, that we think that we're getting from people. It's the enemy whispering constantly. He wants you to take your eyes off the banner, Jehovah Nisi. And so we just walk in this posture of anger and bitterness and jealousy and all these sins we think that God don't mind. But we think we're okay, right? Because we have the big sins down. We're like, well, I have the Ten Commandments. I got a big, you ain't it. We don't, even, we don't even get the Ten Commandments right. Go through them. Read them again. Do you want to know how much we're in need of God's presence every day? It says, there's a song called Holy Ground that was sung at church, man. It was so awesome. And students fell in love with it. And I fell in love with it. And in the song, it talks about that I'll be a wreck without your presence. Ooh, you know where you can hear it? Not a worship. Plug, not a worship. That's tonight, 5 o'clock. All right, listen. <laughs> Wrecked. We're our present, so we're having this conversation, and God's like, hey, come here. But we constantly, instead of looking at our banner, looking at our hope, looking at our victory, we're listening to the enemy. It's like, don't forgive. Keep being angry. Keep being petty. Keep doing these things, because God's not with you. If God was with you, he had done punished anybody who had wronged you. Don't work that way. God's like, hey, shh, come here. How about learning to forgive? How about learning to let go? How about learning doing that and constantly enjoy walking in the freedom only I can give you? That brings us to our next point. We have to know where our victory comes from. It's verse 9, Moses knew our victory come from God. That's why he went up on the hill while they were fighting in the valley. Right? He held the staff up. That's why he went to the highest point possible to hold up the staff so Joshua and the army could see that God was fighting with them. And because of that, they would have victory. So when opposing armies face off for battle, you know, they often carry a flag at the front of the army to rally the troops. And when the flag moves, the troop moves. And when the soldiers see their flag fluttering proudly in the breeze, they take heart. They take courage. The sight of the flag gives them hope. 
flag also brings the army together, giving it a sense of identity and unity. Think of our flag. Now, I'm a veteran. And, and the flag, I always tell students all the time, it means a lot to me as a veteran. It means a lot. So you think of our flag, right? The stars and stripes. Church, this flag has no power by itself. It's just a colorful piece of cloth sewn together. What the flag does, however, is represent the power behind it. In the case of the red, white, and blue, it represents the power, the history, the people, and resources of America. And when believers gather under the banner of God, what we're saying, when we're putting our eyes on our banner, which is Jesus, right? We have God's power, God's history, God's people, and God's resources backing us up. We have to know that God is greater than any enemy that we are fighting on earth. Never forget, man, I'm a huge Ronald Reagan guy. If you hate him, that's fine. That's the beauty of freedom, right? So I'm a huge Ronald Reagan fan, so I wrote my term paper on him. And I remember one day as a kid sitting, I'll never forget my grandfather said this. Uh, I was sitting at the TV, and I was watching, uh, I think it was Qaddafi, and he was talking about uh, how they were going to defeat America and this and that, and their Navy was going to defeat our Navy, Whatever. And my grandpa laughed, right? He chewed tobacco and he just spit in a cup. And every time, he laughed. I was like, Papa, what are you laughing at? He was like, this is going to be over tomorrow. Guess what? It was over. Why? Because there was a lot of power that was coming behind this flag that we raised called the United States of America. That has nothing on the banner that we as a church, we as a believer, we as Christians look up to. That power is the same power that raised people from the dead, that parted the Red Sea. And I don't know what your Red Sea is, but I can tell you this. God is still God, and he is still parting Red Seas today. You just have to open up and look at it. And if you think he can't part you, your Red Sea, then you have clearly not put your eyes on the banner and be reminded of where your victory comes from and where it's going to continually come from, Jesus. That's why 1 Corinthians 15, 7 says, but thanks be to God. Students, you know, I'm going to finish this verse. You know, I tell the students all the time to memorize these verses and, and put them on their window where they can see it or their mirror or, 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 or um, when they shave, if you shave. I'm sorry, Maggie, I, see, I was looking at you to shave. You don't shave, but you know what I mean, right? <laughs> Um, wherever you can see it church I'm asking you collectively as a body of Christ put this verse somewhere that you can see it every single morning like don't leave here today and say oh I'm going to do that and you never do it I'm asking you as a church 1 Corinthians 15 57 says but thanks be to God he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ and out beside that verse you just write he is our Jehovah Nisi. Last thing, we were never meant to fight alone. In verse 12, Moses went up on the mountain, but his arms got tired. And in verse 12, the Bible says that Aaron and Hur had to help Moses when he got too tired to stand. You got to remember, the guy's 80 years old, right? Like, it's so funny. Steve Ferris preached last week, and he was telling the story about the bathroom, and he'd never seen an 80-year-old man run that fast. And I got to thinking, I wonder if Lynn's ever run that fast. I couldn't remember if I did. I'm just kidding. He's not here, so he's going to get me back. But Moses was, was older. And they can, can remember this. And we just got to think, like we all, like here at work, I have an Aaron and a her. I guess Tammy is the her, right? You see what I did there, her? Never mind. 
bad joke. Anyway, when I'm tired, when I'm thinking stupid, when I'm making mistakes, when I'm not seeing clearly, when I'm exhausted, when I've had bad days because of my back pain, these are the, these are the people who step into my life and they start praying for me. They start directing me. They start telling me. that. Because listen, if you don't know Aaron Lloyd, he has zero problems of telling you directly. So I walk by and say, hey, Aaron, how you doing? You suck. Okay, good. God knows I need those people in my life because these people fight for me when I am too weak to fight for myself. They're praying. They support. And, and constantly, Lynn and I go back and forth, but constantly this guy is praying for me and supporting me and, and, and encouraging me with this group of students because he used to be a student pastor. He knows what it is. So this is like 20 years of student ministry. And I'm not saying this because I've been hired here. I'm saying this is because this is the truth. For the first time, I am in a church, man, that supports me, that prays for me, that loves me and my family, that encourages me. That's what we're meant to do. That's what Scripture teaches. We never fight alone. Moses built an altar after this at the side of the battle, and he called it Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. It's a beautiful picture of how it's supposed to be in the church, us coming alongside each other and praying for one another, encouraging one another, loving one another. Because you're going to get tired, church. The devil doesn't stop. He never gives up. He always submits us into giving up. And you need an Aaron, and you need a her. You need brothers and sisters who will hold you up when you're too tired to fight and realize, for goodness sakes, God is for you. Hey, something that Brian just put on a t-shirt. That's Romans 8.31. What then should we say in the response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Church, wake up. We are important to God. He fights for us. And don't forget who you belong to. I told the girls in our student ministry because they face a lot of pressures, man. They get some, some rough things from, from some of their schoolmates asking for things that they should never be sending, right? And I gave them this, I gave them this passage and I I told the guys the same way because we are all precious to God. And 1 Peter 2, 9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into wonderful light. That's our banner. So what's the takeaway, church, as the band comes back to the stage? We must individually and corporately keep our eyes on our banner, realizing apart from God, we can do nothing. And only by abiding under Jehovah Nisi, his victory, his banner, can we have victory over the flesh, the world, the enemy. And when you ponder the name of the Lord as Jehovah Nisi, remember the cross. Remember by his stripes, Jesus, that you were healed. Remember that the bite of sin has an antidote. His name is Jesus. And we have victory in him. And what we're saying is, this is my identity. I belong to him. I don't know what your Egypt is this morning, church. I have no idea. Most of my time are, are spent. Well, I know a lot of these guys, Egypt. I know what a lot of these guys are facing. And you know what? Oh, for goodness sakes, I can't say it loud enough. I work with the most amazing group of adult leaders that I've ever 
had the blessing of serving with in my entire life. Two of them are up here on the stage with me. It's not them. It's the, no, I'm just kidding. Two of them are up on stage with me. I'm thinking of Amanda, Jason, Jeremy, Stacy, these leaders, Casey, all these leaders who are, who are constantly aiming, that are constantly just walking around because they are giving up their time to just invest into our students. Now, oh my gosh, I love these guys. Oh, man, I love these students. I told them at camp, I was like, you knew, because one student was like, hey, what do y'all talk about, talking about me and John? I was like, we talk about you. Like, they're a good group, and I'm telling you, church, that's all of us, and that's how church is supposed to be, and that's how the church is supposed to be to you. And if you're walking in an Egypt, if you're walking in a dark valley, if you're walking and you're too tired to fight, you look to the person to the left and the right of you. And if they're too tired to fight with you, you look at the front and back. But for goodness sakes, you've got to bring people into your life that will speak into you truth, that will speak into you love, who will speak into you encouragement, who will hold your hands up when you're too tired to lift them. You don't give up. We have God. My students, man, you should have seen them facing their fears. We have students getting up on the stage talking and they're scared to death. Their knees are trembling, right? I'm like, God's got you. I hope. <laughs> you pass out. Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is our banner. So if you'll stand with us today. Wherever you're sitting, you just take a second as I pray. And if this word was for you, you can say, okay, God, you got me. It's not for my Aunt Betty. It's for me. I hear you loud and clear. Bitterness goes away. Anger goes away. Jealousy goes away. The constant walking around in defense mode goes away. Allow God to love you the way God loves you. And in return of that, you're going to start loving people the way that God expects you to love people. Why? Because we're looking at our banner. And that banner is Jehovah Nisi. That banner is the cross. That banner is Jesus. That's where complete freedom comes from. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. So blessed. What an amazing day of worship. What an amazing day of just being able to watch students proclaim to their family, their, their family, their brothers and sisters, I have been set free. I no longer walk in darkness. I'm walking in light, and the only one who could do that is my God, because my God is my banner. That is my Jehovah Nisi, the same God that won the battle against the Amalekites in Exodus 17. He's the same God fighting with me and for me today and allowed me to walk in freedom. God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus, because he is our banner. Free people from addictions. Release people from bitterness. But God, we know we first have to cry out to you for that release. So God, if anyone here doesn't know you, I pray they don't leave that way. If one here is just walking through a valley, I pray they understand you're with them. May we never stop praising your name because we know one day we're going to step foot into glory and we're going to see our banner face to face. What a day. But may we start preparing for it right now. For it's in your son Jesus' name we pray.